I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I feel good today, guys. Yeah, me too, actually. Nice, nice sleep last night. Feeling very rested. Yeah, well, I feel good just because basically I feel like I just, when I walk down the street... I feel like... Where are you going with this? Well, no, I just feel like I'm on, I'm on point with like comedy a lot of the time, so I'm making a lot of people laugh. In what sense are you making them laugh? Awkwardly or... No, not awkward. At you? No, not awkwardly at all. I just feel like... I mean, the backwards cap's pretty awkward. It's not awkward at all. It's just, it, look, it makes me look jock-like. <laughs> yeah, I'm like an American jock. And also covers up your uh, receder, you know? Hello everyone, welcome to Private Parts Podcast. This is where we read the most intimate and sort of details of our lives. Join me as always is Tom and Francis. Hi boys. Ah, Hi you, boys. you got top billing there, Tom. Yeah, finally. You do, yeah, you, you're, you're, you're getting ahead of the game. It's probably because you're on my right, that's why. We'll go with that, yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're my, yeah. my right hand man right here and you're my left hand man. Well, yeah. Right. <laughs> but do you know what? Boys, I'll get over it, I'm sure. But it's true, right? So listen, this is how I look at things. I'm really kind of excited. How do you look at things? Well, I'm kind of excited today because basically, like I've been saying, that I feel like a lot of the time we're all making people laugh, especially our listeners. I feel like we kind of like make people laugh and things like that. In different ways, maybe, yeah. Yeah, in different ways. Yeah. And so I'm excited today because actually we have a proper comedian coming on the show. What do you mean by proper? Well, I don't think that we are kind of... I don't know, we're not professional comedians. Do you, can you be a professional comedian? No, I'm, I'm not describing myself as a professional comedian. But I guess that's what you're saying, is, is that he gets paid to be funny. What's the definition of a comedian? Tom, what do you think? Someone who can make people laugh. Yeah, but are they... Should it, I Google it? Do they need to be paid? To, do you need to be a comedian to be paid? Is it like if you're a... What do you mean comedian or comedian? Comedian. If you're a comedian, does that mean you have to be paid? Or can anyone no, be a comedian? So. Anyone can be a comedian. No, I mean... Or, or a, oh wait, a comedian or comic is a person who seeks to entertain an audience by making them laugh. It's as simple as that, folks. Okay, so we're... So all actually, we are comedians. Technically we, comedians. Yeah. But, but our guest today is a professional comedian, right? Well, no, but we kind of... I suppose we, we do make some money from this, so technically speaking. What, you're making money from this? You're getting paid? You're getting paid? Oh, yeah, guys, actually, sorry, I should probably share that. With <laughs> Are you serious? You're getting paid for all this? I thought it was just like pro bono or something. What this hell? might be through jokes or amusing situations. Don't change or, the subject. Or acting <laughs> foolish or employing prop comedy. You employ a lot of prop comedy with your face, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but do you know who we have on today? I'm really excited. Who do we have on, Jamie? Uh, we have Ross Kemp. Ross Kemp. What? Ross Where did that come from? Oh, sorry, Russell Kane. Sorry. Yeah, he's yeah. R and R. We have Russell Kane on. That's Russell cool. Kane. He's, he's actually like the opposite of Ross Kemp, isn't he? What, what do you mean the opposite? Well, Ross Kemp's not a comedian, and he's got bald and bald and quite aggressive, quite stocky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Russell Kane is is funny. None of those he's quite things. skinny, and he's got more hair. Do you think you would be? Uh, do you think you'd be a good stand-up comedian? What do you think it takes to be a stand-up comedian? I haven't got whatever it is, that's for sure. Well, you have, you've never tried. 
True. So what? So what would you think? We think it's straight, stage presence, <clears throat> confidence. Yeah. Do you do you need to be funny to be a comedian? Well, it helps with that, I'd imagine. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I don't know where that came well, from. It, but I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's a way of writing, right? Knowing how to set up a joke with a premise and then have a punchline, right? It's 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 a skill which you can ex- get better at. Which is actually why I think a lot of comedians, um, you know, st- they actually start doing comedy later on in in life, right? They because they hone their craft, you know, on the side as a hobby, and then they reveal it to the public. Yeah, I think you're right. Speaking of which, like, I love the idea of like, because I watch, I listen to that podcast, Tom, that you love called The Horn Selection. The Horn Section. Isn't it? It's amazing. It's really good. To all of our listeners, if you want to go and check it out, it's really funny. It's called The Horn Section. It's good. Uh, it's very funny. And what they do, and they always have, they have a guest on, and so they had like Jesse Ware. So they talk about all their Jesse favorite, Ware was really funny. Funny. They talk about their favorite JWs. So if we were going to think of our favorite RKs, who are your favorite RKs? In Ross, Kemp. Ross Kemp. Ross Kemp. Roman Kemp. Roman Just the Kemp family in the general. Kemp, <laughs> the Kemp family in general. All the Kemps. What about um, what other RKs are in there in this world? Robin. What? What? Robin Kate. <laughs> what? Is that not a Robin Kate? <laughs> What's Robin's surname from Batman and Robin? Richard Curtis. Richard. Oh, no, that's a C. <laughs> I'm just really excited because I feel like, you know, we all, we do this, co- this podcast and people come up to us on the streets and, in, and they listen to it and they say how funny it is, but we now have someone who's telling us if we're actually funny or not. And he's going to completely show us up because he's going to be actually funny. Do you think he is? Yeah. Well, speak for yourself, Tom. Okay, well, should, <laughs> well should, we, should we find out? Sure. Okay, welcome to the table, Russell Kane. So are we, over, are we going over a beat or are we just dry? Then we're just going to get dry. Yeah. Because of your outfit, you look like you're going to start rapping. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Kane, everybody. Let, let the rest of your crew over here. Yeah, well. Is no. he packing? <laughs> <laughs> this, is my, this is our entourage. If we were an entourage and we were walking, so say you're walking down the street in Essex, yeah. right? Yeah, you're walking down the street yeah. in Essex and well. you saw us walking towards you. Would you not be terrified? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say that's really going to ruin my shoes when I kick them in. <laughs> 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 I, feel, I feel like I feel like no, I feel like us as, us as an entourage. I feel like if if actually if all four of us were an entourage, we'd be the weirdest entourage, fucking weirdest group of people. Yeah, quite a motley it's crew. It's like all the different things that can go wrong in a barber's around the same. <laughs> <laughs> this is the point where you think, as you know, in terms of Russell, in terms of your hair, your yep. hair is actually quite thick and strong. All of our other hairs, we're all receding here, but you've got quite a strong head of hair. Well, some of the apart from the beard wearer, his mm, hair is proceeding. Yeah. Yeah, it's going here but growing here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not losing hair; I'm gaining face. That's how I look like to look at it. As you, yeah, you are gaining face, well, which just, is a good thing. I'm cheating slightly, though. My my hair is part of a larger con- condition, which is a good one. It's a condition girls would love to have. Is I have a collagen imbalance. Oh, really? It only has a couple of negatives. I've got a benign type called uh, is type one, which has never been diagnosed, by the way. Please don't mess with my life no. insurance. <laughs> so I've got I've got sort of a slightly. Stretches. Oh, you've got elasticy wow. skin, wow. which so means you've got extra s- collagen in your joints as well. So you- which is the dangerous bit. Oh, I've really? Got, and I've got I've got flat feet as well. Can you put your legs behind your head? I, I I was used to be able to do absurdly stretchy things, but the rest of the body that doesn't have that excess stretchiness, it puts it's dangerous to do it. So you could have been a contortionist. <laughs> I could have done, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so so that's why I have like two hairs where you should have one in the 
in the follicles. I have to soak my nails before I, I cut them. Thick wow, hair, wow. not the correct amount of wrinkles I should have. Yeah, you, yeah, you look great. Yeah, yeah, but you don't. You 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 look very young for your age, it's, right? It's ridiculous, isn't it? But that's the see. This is where I actually had. I don't know why I'm saying this. But I'm gonna say it. So I was in the hairdresser the other day, right? And they kind of came over to me and said, "Hey, we've got like a beauty section in the back." And I was like, okay, this sounds awesome. So I went into the beauty section in the back, and they had these injections which inject you with natural collagen. Mm. Right. Are you were pretending like they came up to you <laughs> and offered you this? I was like, please stop doing it. Oh, my God. And then, and then they started a hand job, and it was all really inappropriate. <laughs> I was like, bro, stop. Oh, my God, I'm on a plane to Thailand. What's happening? <laughs> But Russell, you this finished is off his story for but me. This, <laughs> this is the thing, dude, right? So we're going to basically, what we do at Private Parts, right? We basically yep. interview and ask you about your entire life. And I suppose with you, right, you are one of these people who are kind of, without knowing it, you are pretty particular about what you eat, what you train, all so. those kind of things, right? I guess, I guess so, yeah. I'm a, I, I don't, like, spend my life on apps or count, counting calories or anything. <laughs> Uh, but I do, I get a lot of my calories from fat. So if I do any sort of type of eating, I suppose I eat a lot more fat than the, the next guy. So yeah. I have a lot of butter in my diet, a lot of avocados. You of don't nuts, eat butter, you lie. I have butter in my coffee before I go oh, on. bulletproof. Yeah, I have, I have like a tablespoon of butter and a tablespoon of MCT oil before I go on stage. <laughs> well, MCT oil is just like a posh coconut oil. Right. 300, 400 calories of fat and caffeine. Yeah. Bang, do a corporate mortgage cancelled. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I haven't got any balances on my houses. <laughs> yeah, but I swear to God, you don't, you don't eat sugar, so butter has sugar in it, right? So you wouldn't eat... Doesn't <laughs> butter... butter doesn't no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. <laughs> butter what has butter sugar? Welcome to Biology with Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> butter has sugar in it, 100%. Does it you, not? No. no. Natural it's, sugar. It's the opposite. Sugar is like the most pure carbohydrate you yeah. can think of, the most refined pure carbohydrate. And butter is a fat. Okay. It's a saturated fat. So fat, fat, carbohydrate, protein. They're the three food groups... You want to be eating as much as you can from the first two, unless you've hit a massive workout, and then mm. by all means, go carb-tastic after that workout. I just don't believe this, because if I ever eat, like, lower pack or something like that... By what's like, lower pack? For, uh, lower <laughs> pack. It's, it's the name of the smaller residence past his house. <laughs> <laughs> just take it down to lower pack. They, have, <laughs> they do have some sugar to be delivered for the biscuits. It's true. Low, lower pack is one of the best inventions ever to be made in the whole world. Okay, it's spreadable butter. Spreadable butter is the best thing to do. I bet... Are you one of the people who keep your butter like you get your like in whatever. a butter dish yeah, yeah do you keep no. it outside the fridge yes, yeah. Room temperature, yeah, yeah obviously you weirdos who does that because it's actually pretty safe and in fact when I was doing the comic relief documentary in Uganda and Kenya I took a pack of butter in Tupperware because you can't get butter out in, in Africa well, no we're not we, really. we weren't going to we, we weren't going to shops we yeah. were staying in hostels and stuff so I in my in my pack as it were yeah. I had my butter there so whenever we were doing a piece to camera I could hit the bulletproof coffee the, like <laughs> I, did, I did exactly the same I did exactly the same thing because you couldn't I, I lived out in the bush in Ghana for three years and you couldn't get butter out there because there weren't really any cows and so you couldn't really get normal butter so I had to buy butter in the capital and bring it with me yeah. and it in my backpack yeah. It yeah it keeps, a couple of weeks. keeps fine I mean I feel okay well I don't know about that but I, I suppose we're going to start Russell from the beginning from you right because you grew up in Essex didn't you yeah my dad was from Barking in Essex which uh -huh. we now call it London and my mum was from Enfield which is also now London but culturally very much both on the it's right on the border of Essex Hertfordshire mm. in London and where did they meet 
the they met at, what was it called the Treetops Nightclub ah. <laughs> Epping. So my dad was a doorman because my dad was a proper bodybuilding yeah, steroid yeah. taking right wing metal welding mm. lifeguard rugby union playing mm-hmm. yeah. one of the boys lump of Essex meat like us and then he had me you know Liza Minnelli for a son. <laughs> so when you come out and you go hello yeah. and then he was just like what the hell is going on? Correct. So I was, I'm I'm the opposite to. My dad, my dad's deceased ages ago, but I'm 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 like a carbon copy of my my mum. Mm. It's, it's like I've been cloned from my mother without mm. the perm. But then, but vagina, presumably. <laughs> no, no, sadly not. No, I, do, I have a minge. Just a perm. I have a minge. It's, uh, it's well Actually, one of, the, one of the funniest things Russell's ever said to you, because Russell and I have done loads of different things together. And the oh, funniest yeah. thing I still, oh, yeah? still, yeah, the funniest thing I still remember to this day is when, when we were at like, this Channel Four event, and I walk up to Russell and I, we, and we arrived early for some reason. We're the only people there, and you were with your wife. Mm. And Russell walks up to me and goes, <laughs> and goes "Can I introduce you to my wife?" Walk over to his wife and went. This is my beard. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm so I'm so used to people thinking I'm gay that in the end, in the end I wrote it into the stand-up act. I was going up when I first started stand-up. I come from like a, a like a small council estate where you know I always had a girlfriend, so it never really came up. So I didn't realise that when people are meeting me fresh, mm-hmm. the impression is that I'm a gay man. It was news to me. Right. Uh, but of course, the more stuff I did on telly and the more, yeah. the more stuff I did, and when I'm, the adrenaline's going, I tend to be even more animated. It must well. resonate with you, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that camp. I'm pretty, I told you, I'm pretty like alpha male and pretty... <laughs> I'm not. It's a smaller continuum with yeah, posh people yeah. anyway, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, posh people aren't always camp, are they? No, no, but they're, they're often gay. At least during the early, at least during the often part, yeah. part of their education, the early part. <laughs> it's your turn to dress as Agamemnon. But do you think? People, <laughs> <laughs> but, but do you think? But do you think Russell, when you when you uh, do you think you when you do your stand up and things like that, do you think you step into a certain character? Because a lot no. of comedians, so it's you as a person. I, I, I feel like now sitting here talking to you. Okay, I'm obviously I'm sat down. I'm a little bit calmer, but there's not a massive gap between like you could hand me a microphone now and, and there was a small audience there wouldn't be that much gap between what would happen when I went through there apart with a bit more energy yeah but I you're yeah, it's so true cause, but you're like a different comedian because I always had this thing and probably boys you'll agree with this I always had this thing that when someone told me that comedians are people who uh, who leave the room and say, oh, I wish I, sh- I wish I should say I had said that when they're not in the room. Yeah. But with you, you're just naturally very funny. I think there's, I think there's two types. There's the really talented writers. Off, off the, on the fly. On the, the, yeah, there's, there's the guys who just, when they hit the stage, total personality drops. Yeah, but, yeah. And they're just amazing. And who like, would you say would fall into that category? I think it's probably, half, it's probably yeah. half and half. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh, I don't know if you've ever met Jimmy Carr. He's pretty yeah. the same off stage. If you're having a conversation with Jimmy, he's the same. He's exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, 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 same yeah. Off. yeah. And then you'll meet uh, someone like Stuart Lee, for example, yeah. who off stage is relatively jovial, like friendly, giggly. 
And then he goes on stage and is this really deadpan, cold intellectual mm. persona, which is nothing like what he is. We went out, I went to see his show and we went out for a drink. He's so, he's so different. Yeah. So it goes both ways. You get some guys that put on a like a still demeanour on stage. Milton mm. Jones is another one. He does one-liners and he's got his hair standing on end. He's a bit sort of like he's been lobotomised, but real yeah. sort of a gentle, giggling, <laughs> lovely, it's warm like, man. It's true. What are the, there's that guy that I met the other day, this uh, this Indian guy who, he's a comedian and he like boils eggs on stage in like kettles. Have you seen this? Yeah. And it's, and it's, whole, it's the you weird... sure he's a comedian? Yeah, he's a comedian. His whole persona is like... Oh, were, you, were you stoned and watching the cooking channel? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is so fucking funny. <laughs> oh, I, was telling, I was telling a story the other day. The only time I smoked weed ever... It was, I told this the other day, but the worst thing ever. I smoked weed and my friend scared me. My housemate scared me. He was so paranoid, he scared me. And every single time, for four hours after that, I was constantly terrified that people were going to jump out and scare me. So I, was comp- so I haven't smoked... I had a bad experience on weed. I had a bad experience in weed. It was the worst thing in the world. We're in Herbal Hill, guys. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, so in terms of that, but I, you're even different to that because like you said, a lot of people like funny naturally and a lot of people are kind of controlled funny. But you, your brain almost works faster than your mouth does. Like we've, we've been backstage a few, a few times saying right stuff yeah. or whatever and I'm, I have to tone it down in the, uh, the dressing room. Just because I think people sometimes think, oh my God, how exhausting he's always like, like performing just because mm. he's on telly. Whereas the reality is, that is what I was like long before I did any of this stuff for a living. And in fact, I've gone the other way since I started this. So before I started stand-up, I used to be first one up dancing at a wedding. When we went to a restaurant, I'd be the one saying lots of silly jokes with the, with the waiter. Yeah. First one flirting with the waiter. Now I can't do any of that because everyone's like, oh, wanker, I'm yeah. telly showing off. <laughs> yeah, so it's not a role reversal. So it's I've made you more... my personality yeah. down, whereas my natural personality is... To, to, sh- to show off when I'm out with my friends. But do you not find that some of your best jokes come from just when you're talking with other people, you know? They all come Yeah, from exactly, that. yeah. So, not, so my, if you were to see... Is that not detrimental to then become more, uh, you know, reclusive? Well, I'm still having... No, no, introverted? They come, they, come from they come from experiences mostly. Yeah. And when I'm in very small groups, i.e. I'm with Lindsay and my family, I'm still the same, so I'm the same at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loopy, bouncing off the walls if I'm out with my family. But if we're out and there's members of the public around... And the music comes on. The old me would have been yeah, first one up dancing, first one <laughs> yeah. flirting. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm like, oh, f- how, I, don't how, wanna, I don't want to be a hashtag by the end of the night. <laughs> how did someone speak to me? His, his ears entered my his ears have been entered by your words. <laughs> but I'm entering me. But I have that. I have that. I have this problem where I think maybe you're the same, Russell. Where I feel like I always have to be centre of attention. If I'm not centre of attention, it actually kind of makes me feel a bit. I don't quite like it because I think that's my personality. I've always been the person to always. When I was in Berlin... You're an attention seeker. Is what maybe it is an attention seeker, but when I was in Berlin, right, I went to Berlin for New Year's, I, this is, I got naked on the table just because it was putting me... People were daring me to get naked, so I'll go and do it. No one was daring you to get naked, no. were they? Well, I dared myself, and then people went with it. That's <laughs> were what, you there with friends? I'll tell you when it changes for me, though. I don't know if it's the same for you. Like, if when I'm, when I'm the new guy, and it's a big, important thing, and there's lots of other people like me who are on telly, I tend to stay quiet for the first bit of the yeah. evening. Yeah, the same Keep myself to myself in the cor- corner. I don't... Get the lay of the land. I'm not competitive show-off or anything. I'm, I'm not manufacturing out of insecurity. It's just my personality. So as soon as there's a room full of, like, I'm quite happy just to sit with Lindsay and have a chat. And then once we were all friends, then I would... Show off and be is Lin- Lindsay is your wife. This is yeah, my okay. I'm my beard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but this She's is my wife inverted commas. <laughs> but but, but that is, that's probably because isn't that because uh, weirdly enough, you, quite shy. 
or or you see so you're shy at the being so we do and I always find this with people like for myself right everyone always thinks oh he's outgoing things like actually weird enough in big groups that people I don't know I become quite shy yeah and but why is that why can you be so outgoing and then also be shy at the same time you've just got some introvert and extrovert like, what are you like if you've got like a couple of nights off and it's just you and your flat chilling with Netflix you're like oh my god I need people around me or you do quite enjoy your own just company. wanking unless yeah, you <laughs> apart from that but do you enjoy your own company. Uh, I, I'm so happy on my yeah, own. Yeah, I'm like yeah, skipping round. I I, there's a difference between solitude and, and loneliness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of solitude. And I think if you've got some of those introvert traits, even if you're the biggest extrovert once you're amongst friends or even yeah. in this sort of environment where I'm doing a podcast, you can go into that little insular bubble just because it's a safe feeling for me rather than a threatening mm. feeling. Yeah. But where did everything start then? Because there has to be a moment in your life where suddenly you were literally like, right, I want to go and do comedy. Because it's, it's like... Freaking hell, it's like the biggest risk in the entire world. Like, Tom, you've just changed jobs, right? And so that's yeah. like a risk in general. But yeah. to go from starting something going, right, I'm now going to... Because the only way to practice comedy yeah. is to do it in front of people. You can't just sit in a room and do it by yourself. So that, when did it start? That's the other point I wanted to finish off, which relates to that, when you're saying about how I create a show. So say something funny happens here. Yeah. I walked in, I'd trod dog poo through the office, for example. <laughs> and we were all like, oh my God, and I was dying of embarrassment. I would quickly write in my iPhone thing, like, trod dog poo through a podcast, and I'd just bank that. I Did you do that, actually? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no it's just my, na- my natural <laughs> odour. <laughs> no, but the... Uh, I never ever, and this is not, most comedians do not work like this. I have never ever sat down and gone, right, time to write up the dog period. And I'll start it with, oh my God, the other day, I, I just literally go on with one bullet is point. That, that's what I was going to ask you. So do you, do you form the show off your first performance of that bit? Yeah, I, I, I would, I, when I'm doing a preview, I would just go on and try these three stories tonight, 20 minutes set, I'm going to do the dog poo story. It might just be something that was only funny when we were here. It might not be funny at all, mm. or it might be gold. I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth, but I'll just tell the story as though I was was telling you like I'm telling you what happened on the way to the gig now and um, so I just go on and I tell it will you tell, try it in a show or a specific at a comedy at a comedy club where they know I'm turning up to do yeah. new material I've got a notebook on the stage mm-hmm. just and the bullet would only say the, the try my trod dog poo that's, that's all it would say mm. and then I would tell it fine with a laugh stop, then I would retell it same way evolution yeah. works just gradually getting towards that yeah, yeah, yeah refining, but, yeah. But that's because you're way better just that ad-libbing, right? Because if you get given maybe a script, you're not as, as good because then you have to go, okay, I have to do this, this, and this. If you just have the bullet point saying dog poo, you go, fine. I yeah. Because you're naturally just well, hilarious. It just sounds too, it, it sounds too Stilted. red. Yeah. yeah, it sounds too But rehearsed. that's what I imagine it, it, it must be like if you're, if, you're, if you're at a dinner party and you're telling a story that you've told before, you know, you, you, you make subtle changes to it to, to add, some, add some funny. It's the same and you, yeah, Add skill, some pause. Yeah, exactly. But with yeah. straight, but with straight. Yeah, Jamie, do you think you could do stand up? Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I could do stand up. I, th- I think you definitely should have a stab. You should try. You should just do a five minute set. Your problem you've got is you'd need to do it in the states, or because there's why would I have to do it in the states? Because if the audience have a perception of you when you go on, yeah. you got to get through that. Yeah. See, now I now have that. They have a perception of me as a comedian. So when I go on now, the audience divides into three. If I go on, not when I go on a tour gig, you know, a tour gig is great. But if I go on to a normal audience, surprise guest, we've got a comedian who's rocking up to try some stuff. Oh my God, it's, is it Nick Grimshaw? No, it's not, it's Russell. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I'll run on and the audience splits into three. I okay. feel it every time. The first group is, oh my God, what a treat. I quite like his stuff. Middle group. Second, is, uh, is he gay? No, middle group is, <laughs> sorry, am I supposed to know who this is? Is this someone <laughs> special? Never heard. 
cardio, <laughs> which is great because that's what I, I trained on. Third group is can't stand this cunt. Yeah. No, it's not. Do they do that is it every single time? Think how subjective humour is. So yeah. the third group is, oh, I can't stand him. That's the group you're playing to if you're any good. Yeah. That's the group you're playing. You've got to try and persuade them, right? You've got to try and persuade them. And you get it a lot. You go, do you know what? I've always thought you were shit when I've seen you on TV. But tonight you were quite good. Thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, May man. it be malignant. <laughs> but this is the thing. So what I want to try out on you, Russell, is okay, fine. I feel like I should try out my stand-up right Try out now. some jokes on Russell. Yeah, okay, you ready? I wrote some jokes earlier. You want to hear them? Okay. Okay. <laughs> See you <clears throat> and also, do you know what, Russell? Are, they, put- are all the punchlines going to be biscuits and <laughs> no, no, <laughs> jammy dodgers? Nah, but but <laughs> Russell, you probably don't know this: that comedy is all about timing. Well. Yeah. Most things that- in life are about timing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm just I'm making it hard for him. You were trying to speak over me. No, right? here we go. You ready for this? <clears throat> okay, so this is my stand-up. Ready? Yeah, go. I lost my job at a bank on my very first day. Ah. Uh, you might get that. Uh, would you get that? You might do, yeah, if you were going. Why into, would you get that? Oh, because you stopped and people go four, there. You got into, I'm doing, you know, this is not about me, Jamie Lang. I'm in formal storytelling mode. <laughs> Join me around the fire. You've immediately started in that register in your voice. You haven't gone, oh my God, it's not really stand-up, but the other day I was in the bank. You, you didn't do that. You, you went conversational. <clears throat> <clears throat> okay. The other day, <laughs> I was in, a, I lost my job. Oh, get All right, so I've got it. Here we go. So exactly, so you've got to make it more conversational. Well, it, it depends whether you're doing one-liners or whether you're going to go. I was going to mix it up. Well, let's mix it up. Then. Okay, fine. Well, hey, okay, so here we go. I'm coaching you, bro. Russell, man, it's super annoying. Do you know why? What happened? <laughs> Sorry, I was drinking. I didn't, I didn't have a stroke. What? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> just get a fucking ambulance. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, just keep going on. Can anyone else smell burning? <laughs> <laughs> I love that Florence was actually smelling the air. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can actually. <laughs> right, here we Sorry, go. let's go. Okay, so Russell, I lost my job at my bank the other day. No way, what happened? Yeah, well, a woman asked me to check her balance, so I pushed her over. It's good. It's a good joke. Yeah. Is that one of yours, an original? No. Oh, you're plagiarising, aren't no, you? No, not plagiarising. I'm not. Okay, fine, I got another one. <clears throat> Do you know what? I tried to sue the airport for misplacing my luggage. I lost my case. Again, very good. Yeah. yeah, technically a good joke. What you should do is you should put all of your jokes into a spreadsheet. That way you can excel yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was giving you a genuine tip there, didn't you? And at the yeah. end, it was a just joke. Just turned on his head. The way I used the voice. Okay. <laughs> all right, here we go. Do you know why? The and that co- was one of mine. Do you know why the coffee filed a police report? Beans, something to do with beans, ground. Ah, because it was mugged. Marked. Oh. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are my jokes. Got one more for you. Are yeah. they your jokes, though, Jay? Yeah, they are. Here we go. <laughs> Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Go on. Great food, no atmosphere. Yeah. Again, they're good. They, they, <laughs> they're they're I, very I, good. I, you know I've, I've heard they'd be quite good at before. a child's birthday party. Yeah. 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 I remember I heard that when I was eight. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Russell, fine then. Dude, what so about you... this? Ooh, it's all right. <laughs> it's only glitter in a bucket. <laughs> what was that? You that got was a kid's birthday. Careful, I don't fall over, children. <laughs> but Russell Gifan, what is your joke that you think is your still to this date your funniest joke? Maybe not get the best best laughs, but you're like, this is for me well, the, my funniest joke I've ever done or story. All laughs are, are equal, but there is there is a category difference between a joke, which is a thing like a pass to you, we could tell it to mm-hmm. our friends and it's as funny, and something like yeah. I would do, which is you know, a long story about my dad with funny bits and there's a bit at the end which no one else could tell. Yeah. So that's one's like a narrative humour. There's observational humour, which, yeah, anyone could tell, but you need the skill of a comedian to bring it to life like yeah, Michael yeah. McIntyre. And then there's just your one-liners. Perhaps the most purest one-liner comedian is probably Tim Vine. He's one, he's one mm. of the best. Because that, that's what those jokes were. They were Just one-liners, one-liners which are technically quite... 
boring because you're, it's not changing up. Because my personal, what I like in comedy is when it's a narrative, right? When you're when it's either yeah. observational humor or you have a narrative. That's yeah. what I kind of enjoy. But when it's like one-liners. I find it hard to keep engaged. Depends how good they are. Who's it's your favourite uh, comedian? Who would you say oh, is got, sort of comedian's ex- comedian? Daniel Kitson is the is the probably the best. But you yeah. can't. He won't go on TV. You can't get tickets to see him. He doesn't advertise his shows. He's very purist about yeah. it. Right. So he's just like a ghost. He just doesn't need to. Is he, he, just, real? he just puts them on his website and they they sell. Yeah. I've never even heard of him. Exactly, that's why. That's the way we want to keep it. Yeah. Wait, hang on. So wait, did we? Have, but, <laughs> what? Yeah. What Bobby Dingo and his dancing dog. He's absolutely magic. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's got this dog who has like a glitter bell around his neck. It's so funny. Yeah, who's your favourite comedian, Jamie? My favourite comedian, apart from Russell Kane. You like that bit, didn't you? It's, uh, nice. Yeah, because yeah. you're here. Actually, I do love you. It's the really angry one. He swears Hell's Kitchen. No, again. I, you know, cooking program again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know who I do? You know who I do? <laughs> do you know who I do really like? I do love Mickey Flanagan. I love. Oh, him. Amazing. Yeah. He's yeah. Good. He's good. Now he's he is telling jokes and stories, but you feel like it, you don't do them justice when you retell them. Which yeah. Is the yeah. sign it, it's you. It's you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Tim Vine, if you if you want some good one-liners, family friendly, go to Tim Vine. He yeah. does things like Velcro, what a rip-off, jokes like that. Like, really good. And joke. do you James Acaster? Again, it's surreal, yeah. very, very creative. He's very funny. Slightly but, whimsical, tangent. But then also the person... Like, everyone's brilliant in their own way. For sure. But this is what I want to get down to. What made you want to do comedy at the beginning? Because you, do, you, weren't, weren't, you, you don't, aren't a comedian at birth, right? You have to make that choice to become one. So what was the, what was the turning point for you? Mm, so the, uh, where I come from, time to get the, the, the violin out, straight the virus out. <laughs> there was, the stand-up was not part of the cultural mix when sure. I was growing up. It wasn't like, what do you want to do tonight, kids? I'll go pub, take away, or maybe we could go to the theatre. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was nothing. It was, yeah. you watch telly when you get in from school, your mum and dad go out for a curry on a Saturday, and you might go to the pantomime at Christmas. And the, my only contact with stand-up when I was growing up was my dad watching Jim Davison or Jimmy Jones tapes and, and DVDs, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is not necessarily my sense of humour. But it, I've always had this personality, which is talking 100 miles an hour, is he hyperactive, had a fucking endocrine system tested, because I'm so hyper, but everything's normal, I'm just... Yeah, your just brain just goes yeah. 100 miles an hour, for sure. So um, I never knew there was another use for it. Yeah. I always knew I was going to be the first person in my family to go to university, I just knew I would get there. No one in my family's got an A-level, right? so I was the first person to get an A-level, then the first person to go to university. Um, and I managed to pick the one university in the land which didn't have a stand-up club, so I missed any contact with stand-up. Mm. So I, Where'd I, you go? Middlesex. Middle <laughs> <laughs> it's because it was near where... It was near, quite near yeah. London, though. It, that's why. Uh, yeah. The honest truth is, I got, I got a place doing anthropology at one of the, the University of London colleges, and I got a place doing English with an, uh, the option to do creative writing in it, and I thought... Do I do the degree that looks better on paper or do I do the one I know I will love for, for three years? Yeah. And, and it's closer to my nan who I was living with at the time. So I did that. Anyway, so I got out of uni and I was still this, the, the person that cracked jokes. Every, I was able to make people laugh easily. It was just something I did without thinking, like someone who sings at home and hasn't joined the dots. And then when I started, got my first proper job, I was headhunted straight out of my degree into an ad agency. I was head copywriter. I was living the high life. <laughs> and um, it was amazing. I went, I went from undergraduate to head, head of copy in an ad agency in 18 wow. months. That's pretty impressive. And but that's so, because your mind is so creative, right? So I love it. Yeah, just think of lines, is, puns, yeah, ideas. Yeah. So funny enough, McVitie's was, was one of our clients. Genuinely was, was my client for about two years. 
Anyway, um, they, so the creative planner at the office was like, you can just, the way you tell us like, what happened in the pub last night, you've got people over there crying, laughing, you've added bits to it. You should go and do stand-up. You don't even realise you're doing it. Never until that moment, yeah. because I'm very, very nervous and not a fan of standing up in front of strangers and doing public speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had never occurred to me, ever. Yeah. I was like, fine, what's my, what's my two stories I would tell to try and make strangers And laugh? how old are you at this point? 28. Okay, so, so yeah, exactly. So this is the thing. You, you're not 21 years old, right? And mm. that's a lot of with most comedians. Like Mickey Flanagan, the same, was like 32, whatever. Yeah. So you were like, your two stories. Well, you almost need perspective from a life and context to, yeah. to find things, you know, and actually to, to have stories if to tell. If you're doing my yeah. type of humour, you do, because it's about experience. Yeah. So even your lack of contact with comedy in in, in your upbringing, where you where you I grew think it up, did me a few it, it, yeah, and probably was fertile ground for material that you could use in your. It did me a favour because I'd had no influences. You know, I wasn't like jacking off over Bill Hicks and Chris Rock, like all the other white yeah, yeah, boys yeah. at university. Getting, Have you seen the Chris Rock? I was like, who the fuck's Chris Rock? I was reading Jane Austen. I was catching up, man. I've been to a comprehensive on a council estate. <laughs> really? So I was, I, was study, I was studying the literature and then yeah. in, in the background, I was reading all the other canonical works I'd missed with my shit education. So I had to get everything. I'd read the French in translation. I'd read Flaubert, Zola, Balzac, Dostoevsky, Tolstoy everything during my degree yeah i was i thought it was the most banal pointless mainstream thing i had no tv i only had a radio i went through this phase <laughs> um so it never it just never would have occurred to me but so of course when i stood on stage i didn't know you needed punch a punchline i didn't i never i don't bother with them half the time i just tell a really funny story and sometimes <laughs> at the end i go oh, and that's what happened <laughs> <laughs> and they clap so that, you, don't, you don't need one yeah, yeah. it's really, it funnier it's not it's it, right so, so you finish the story and you go uh, and then we go laugh and that's some, it some, do you know the story <laughs> sometimes like there's a bit and sometimes i go and that's why my dad was a bastard and i'll just put a functional topper on it or go to the next story <laughs> but then but then when you were 28 years old in that office and you were like right what am i so they said you should do stand-up so then what happened next so, so the, on this this has not been romanticized in any, any way so you speak to a lot of stand-ups and they'll be like i always knew you know i always used to watch bill hicks i was always used to dress as a clown and, and great i'd had none of that i had a complete disrespect and lack of interest in stand-up i was just doing it the same way you might say to me do a bungee jump bro it's amazing <laughs> just do it and i'll be like fuck it you only live once it was that attitude so i went on the on the computer Fuck, that's got balls I, mean, I, went, that is... I went on the computer at work and I was like stand up comedy London and clicked the first link and phoned the first number it was, all, it was July and it was a comedy cafe in Rivington Street and I phoned them I was like how do you if you've never done stand up they must you... have had good SEO back then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said how do you how do you how do you, you try it out for the first time and they was like right all the comedians are in Edinburgh at the moment so you're in luck come down two Wednesdays time I was like what do you mean Edinburgh I had never until that moment thought Edinburgh was anything other than the stuff I was interested in you know opera plays yeah, yeah. literature I, I didn't understand I sort of vaguely knew Perrier Award and all that stuff it was there in the corner mm. but I never looked at it so I just I, I, that's what I did I went to the gig it was one of my worst experiences of fear of my life I mean I, was, I could I must have eaten a box of Imodium it had no effect <laughs> I was honestly on the toilet getting oh. drunk before no 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 Hold, holding the mic hand shaking and just just the most scary thing you'll ever do your, yeah. first, mm. your first comedy gig yeah but it's also the most exhilarating experience because for you right as I imagine that as soon as you you get that laugh and for you you can feel the because you're like that energy person like yeah. like all of us so you can feel the energy Absolutely. as soon as you have that audience you're literally like fuck I've got them here we but, go so you, the first gig was a, it was neither one nor the other it wasn't disastrous and it wasn't amazing i just okay. got two decent laughs not, mm. not not what's called an applause break which is where they laugh and go that's fucking brilliant <laughs> i just got two decent laughs and it was it remind 
because my whole life after that fell apart, like um, career-wise, just was a disaster. My whole brilliant career just started to go downhill because I got obsessed with this. Oh, what, uh, um, related to the Because comedy. of the stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to Manchester after work on a Wednesday. I'm head of copy. Yeah. In <laughs> I love it. I'm handling McVitie's, Vodafone, <laughs> Colesburg. And you're fucking off to Manchester. Glasgow, like Smith, Klein, uh, Procter & Gamble. Massive clients. Mm. Big pitches, working weekends. And I'm like, saying I've got to leave for a doctor's appointment going up to Manchester, getting in at three in the morning. Anyway, this first gig... When I, when I was younger, there was this anti-heroin campaign and it showed the needle going in and the, and the poison going into the veins and the line was, you'll feel sick at first, but you'll come back for more. I think I that's, remember that. I remember that. Exactly what it was like. I knew this was going to completely overtake my life. I, I literally would throw up and have diarrhoea before I went on stage. I was losing weight. My job was going down the pan. I split up with my girlfriend. But I couldn't. I just couldn't stop. Mm. But do you think? Do you think that's because? Crazy. You, do you think that's because you have that addictive personality? Do you think I, you? Not at all. Not I've never been addicted. To, I've never been addicted to anything in my life apart from wanking, of course, <laughs> uh, which all men are addicted to. <laughs> even in the nursing home, just <laughs> osteoporosis hand yeah, being maneuvered. I'm not even kidding. When I was when I was younger, when I was younger, I did sex education at school. Yeah. Right? I was about twelve. Where are you old. going with this? I basically found out about wanking, so I was wanking, right? And I was and all thought I was doing it too much. So when I was doing in sex ed, I was always going. Like, can you wank too much? I was always so concerned that you could overwank. Yeah. That, that sentence really rang through your head in casualty a couple of months later <laughs> as, you, as you bled from the helmet. Right, uh, Russell. <laughs> that, no, but mate. the point is, I never, I've never, I wasn't, it wasn't, a, a, I don't think you could call it an addiction. It was more like falling in closer to, yeah. you know, when you fall in love with someone when you're 16 and you're yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Needy yeah. on the floor. And, there was no time left in my day. When you're doing something like advertising, there is no spare time. So every gap and crevice was filled with stand-up, which meant I split up with Lorraine, my girlfriend at the time, and it, over a period of two years, the job started to suffer. And I'd, got, I'd reached unimaginable heights in 18 months. It was, it was really irresponsible. My mum was furious. My mum's a cleaner. Mm. She scrubbed toilets all these years and here's me, you know, living in Clapham, dips in the fridge, like coming up with headlines on, on bright coloured <laughs> couches, living the middle class dream and, and, and throwing it into jeopardy out on some ego trip, like some X Factor twat. Well, you've got to take risks. Dude, I love that. Listen, um, also Russell, what we do uh, at the end of part one is Francis gives oh, us yes. a question of the week. So he gives us a question of the week every single time and yeah. we have to try and answer it. So <clears> Francis, why don't you give us the question of the week how many well, this is a random one how many letters can a standard US postal service mailbox hold at any one time what what <laughs> do, you mean, do you mean where you send the post from? yeah no no the, you know the blue blue yeah. post box that, you see them on, on the street how, how many how many letters how many letters yeah they're quite short approximately god how many letters? What the fuck? I have no idea. You mean how many pieces of mail, not how many? Okay, all right, okay. How many individual okay, letters? Okay, all right, okay. Uh, uh, let's scrap that one. You can make, have a guess. 700. Okay, that, so you're going to say 700? 700? Yeah. 700? Uh, you, you're, oh, I'm going to go near you. That means 580. Okay, Tom. I'm going to go 800. Okay, so that's, what, that's the first one. We'll have another one just because it's okay. a bit of, that was a bit of a rogue one. Okay. Uh, a Belgian postbox. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on to Francis's postbox questions. <laughs> Today we're they're, the, they're actually all about postbox. We're in the former Yugoslavian Republic of Macedonia. <laughs> interesting fact there. Yellow 
post boxes. So let's see it's true. exactly what the volume is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the secret, it's like the bad boy to Portillo's train journeys. It's Francis's post box. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of interesting facts about post boxes. I'm, I'm sure hello. someone's pitched it somewhere. <laughs> I'm Michael Portillo and today I'm joined by Francis. <laughs> Actually speaking of post boxes, when I was younger I, I lived I lived on the beach in, in Florida. Yeah, we all. Sort of, yeah, 11 or 12. <laughs> and we used to, we used to, as a popular... What a different life you've led. ...pastime. I used to have these, there were these um, bangers, big bangers called like M80s or, or, or whatever. And we used to go around and put them in people's like elaborate, like, post, you know, the, uh, yeah. like their mailboxes and just like stand back, ring the doorbell and watch them blow up. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Is that what you used to do? Yeah. It was, I thought the story was going somewhere else. You're obsessed with mailboxes. No, no, but like blowing it. up mail- mailboxes. People anyway. often destroy what they're obsessed with. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a love-hate relationship. Um, Sometimes I just want to hurt them. <laughs> okay, give us our okay. question, Francis. Do you know how many, how many heartbeats a hummingbird has in a minute? How many heartbeats a hummingbird has in a minute? Okay, Russell, you're the guest, you go first. We're going to have to correlate it to wing beat, right? It seems like it would make sense, like you'd need one sort of Maybe. P- pump oh, around I the like body this. for each flap of wing. That doesn't really help us. <laughs> <laughs> I know, really, yes, bro. Unless you can count these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with 20... Uh, I'm going to go with... What's 30 times 60? Uh, 1, I'm going to go about 1,000 beats a minute. Okay. 1,000 beats Just a minute. Just based on... <laughs> 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 That's for five seconds. Okay. All right. Tom? Uh, Tom, go. I'm going to go 800. 800. I'm going to go more. I'm going to go like 4,000. 4,000. Yeah. That's the answer. All right. All right. Well, I will tell you the answer to both of those questions in part two okay and to all of our listeners uh, please stick around because we still have the Russell Gain uh, for part two we're going to hear the answer to the question of the week and also we have Francis' diary yeah. <laughs> oh you didn't have a diary this week or? no I've already read it out all right. is it going to feature post boxes your diary <laughs> uh, do you know what we'll see <laughs> <laughs> see you in part two Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 